Before we jump in, a note on our content. This episode depicts a traumatic event. Listener discretion is advised. Check our show notes for detailed information. Anytime you, you lie to the government about anything dealing with your import or your export, um, even if it's really uh, an innocent reason, it's a hassle. Welcome to Simply Trade, brought to you by Global Training Center. My name is Lalo, and together with my co-host, Andy, we have well over 60 years of combined trade, logistics, and supply chain experience. Along the way, we have seen and witnessed different challenges in trade compliance. We decided to put the show together and call on our friends and colleagues in the business to hang out with us and share their knowledge in all things trade. Thank you for spending some time with us. Enjoy the show. Hey, Lalo, it's good to be back. We are uh, looking forward to another great show today, but uh, it's uh, the, the feedback we've been getting has been great. So I want to say thank you to our listening audience. Wait till we uh, uh, release the uh, the video on this because uh, then you can, right. you know, print a picture and then throw darts at it for me <laughs> here. So, <laughs> but because uh, yeah. I look like the south end of a northbound mule. So, anyway. <laughs> Um, but hey, you know, things have been going well, but, uh, with that, Lalo, how have you been doing? Doing good, doing good. Um, getting ready to head out this weekend, but yeah, everything's been going well here with, uh, with a show, like you said, and, uh, um, this might be what our second or third show after we made that announcement that we are trending in Europe. So let's see how this, yes, this goes now yes. after we said that. So, but which is really good. I mean, we're kind of excited about that and trying to see a little bit more of our numbers. So again, thank you to our European audience. Thanks for listening. And anybody else too. I mean, we see people from Mexico, Saudi Arabia, even, um, you know, in all parts of the world that are listening, which is cool. You know, and uh, of course, our biggest audience being the U.S. So th- thank you all for, for uh, supporting us and listening to us. And uh, always don't forget to hit the 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 follow hit the button, like button and the, the like button. button. Yeah, follow, yes. And even... Um, we need you guys. It's like, <laughs> please take us that. We've been doing a lot of work here. We need you. Here we go. Well, even any feedback, you know, even uh, any any feedback, good or bad, is good for us. You know, we that way we'll know what we're doing right or wrong. And so, we, you know, mm-hmm. just let us know and we'll, we'll be more than glad to adjust accordingly. And uh, so, but anyway, um, this show is a special show. I guess it's uh, we're running it on a, on a different date. Um, it's Halloween. So uh, we're coming up. We're, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, we're excited to run it on uh on this on this date, um, we're theming this show as a as a spooky stories of uh, trade compliance, or call it what you will, you know. But um, well, for the the audience here, we we've talked about some key things when you're looking at sourcing, when you're looking at these contracts, your terms of sale, and what you're supposed to be paying. If you remember, we've had a, a couple of attorneys make the the uh, statement: it's worth having your contracts looked at and certain clauses put in there. So attorneys, as much right. as we, you know, chagrin sometimes to have to use them at the same time, let me tell you, their expertise in the law can protect right. you and, and save you money. Right, so. right. So um, I invited, or we invited actually uh, a good friend of ours that we've known for mm-hmm. a million years. I mean, and God, I've known 
I've known Adrian for a long time. We we go way back from when I was in the software business, and um, think think uh, think we did. Adrian uh, Bra Miller. Yeah, Adrian Brown Miller. <laughs> so oh we, my goodness! It's uh, it's, it's it, the one thing that the, one of the first times I actually got to uh, meet Adrian. We were at a ICPA conference in Fort Worth, actually. Man, I tell you what, you've been all over the world. It is such an honor to have you join Lalo and myself. Thank you so and much. For you're the just such a great person. I really appreciate oh, yeah. it. Thank you so much for having yeah. me. And I'm glad I've gotten to know both of you low these many years. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Adrian. And I, I figure I told Andy, if someone's going to have any horror stories about uh, trade compliance, I think Adrian will will know some of these. So so that's why we have you on the show. And uh, hopefully you'll uh, you'll help uh, our audience realize that some of these scary stories don't have to happen to them, you know, and uh, and uh, you can uh, point them in the right direction. So so. Well, the thing that I like about uh, people telling stories of situations, most folks can identify with a story at some point in there, you know, some character mm-hmm. in there or some situation and go, you know what, I could be in that or no, I wouldn't touch that or whatever the case is. But it's like uh, some of the things that uh, I guess what we're going to talk about, what went wrong and everything you wanted to know that went wrong here kind of thing. <laughs> so, Adrian, what do you have for us? Oh. Well, I have a story that is really the worst of all. <laughs> the, scariest, <laughs> the scariest of the scary. And and at the end of it, we'll have to say, like, what lessons can we learn from it? And in my 30-year career as an attorney, this is probably the worst um, case that I've ever had to deal, deal with. Uh, it starts out, this is an export control case. And so... Essentially what happened was I had a young man come to me. He was a Russian national. He lived here in Dallas um, and he was the uh, chief technology officer for a fairly sizable corporation here in Dallas. Um, And he was like 34 years old. And at the time he had 20 patents to his name. Um, he was, yes, he was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man, right? Super smart. So he reached out to me one day and he said, um, hi, Adrian, I live here. I'm a, uh, uh, permanent resident alien here in the U S I'm seeking my citizenship. Um, I had a shipment, um, that I was sending to my mother in Russia seized by the government. And it was an export, and I, he goes, I think it's because I lied about the value of mm. the contents, right? So he did not uh, file the, the AES record. Essentially, what these were were um, integrated circuits or chips, if you will, right? So he was sending those. Oh, and that's, and was, that's really something to go to his mother, right? <laughs> Right. So I'm saying to him, your mother, hmm, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's it's a a gift from the heart. Integrated circuits. Yeah, I love, yeah, okay. So, so yeah, so part of of the issue here is that I I never really got, I don't know that I ever had the real story or the full story, but what happened with this client, um, let's call him Joe. That's a good Russian name. Just kidding. Anyway. Yeah, um, Joe. <laughs> Joe. 
Um, so what happened with Joe is, so he got this seizure and I got copy of the notice and I, I contacted a, the local uh, OEE office, the Office of Export Enforcement agent who was assigned to the case. And I asked him, I said, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but you know, I do know there were some errors on our side and we do want to work with you and we want to be compliant. And can you please uh, call me if there's anything else coming down the pike, right? So about a month goes by, it's probably uh, just after Thanksgiving. And the next thing I know is I get a call from his wife who says that they were coming back from uh, a Caribbean island and he was arrested. He was arrested by the federal government and put in jail. Wow. So I'm like, oh my Lord. Okay, so I, I essentially find out that they, the government is saying that what he was exporting was being exported. And it was EAR 99, by the way, but the end user was supposedly a Russian defense contractor. Yeah. It was using the, these chips to make IEDs. And the government said those IEDs were being used to kill American military. And I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. Well, so, so Joe is like, no, 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 I would never do that. I do have a partner, but you know, I would never do that. That's not what I did, blah, blah. But I really d couldn't talk to him that much. And I did have a criminal attorney um, who, who actually was handling a lot of that criminal piece of it because I don't do criminal law. Um, so, you know, we were hoping to get him out before Christmas um, on his, his arraignment. But what happened was he got very sick. So the, the judge decided because he was very sick that he would keep him. He didn't want to have a hearing until after Joe was feeling better, right? He had the flu. So he's like, I don't want to do anything until later. So, um, we finally, I think it was like right after Christmas, we have the hearing, um, we get the bail set, we get him out and we arrange for him to, to meet with the special agents. We're going to fully cooperate, right? Anytime there's an investigation, you want to fully cooperate. You want to try and mitigate any kind of penalties that might be issued against you. And cooperation is one way you do that. Um, so the next day we were supposed to meet with the government and can anyone guess what happened? Does anybody he have an idea? Did he, did he not show up? Yeah, did he leave? Worse than that, he killed himself. Oh my oh. goodness. I have never had a client oh. kill themselves. So oh my God. apparently, apparently, and again, 34 years old, apparently um, in the Russian culture, you know, when you've reached such a high level as Joe had, um, there was so much shame and concern about what this was going to do to his reputation. Um, the letter that he left was not like he did anything other than his friend who was supposedly going to help him sell this stuff and make some money and give it to his mother, that it was his friend's fault. Right. Um, and 
I saw the one of the uh, special agents, no, actually one of the assistant U.S. attorneys at a conference, and he came up to me and he told me how sorry he was that my client chose this path. And I said to him, can I ask you, like, did you really have something so horrific on him that he would, that was worth him killing himself? And he said, oh God, Adrian, no. We had, we had some things on him. He might've spent possibly a year in jail, maybe six months, but it wasn't worth killing himself over, you know? So I think what would be the moral of the story? It's a horrible, you know, let's think about some morals here. I think really the, the key is, is like, obviously anytime you, you lie to the government about anything dealing with your import or export, um, even if it's really uh, an innocent reason, it's a hassle. I don't want to have to make a filing, right? I don't want to file anything. It's a hassle. Well, if I, if I lie about the value, and by the way, I think these were valued at about uh, $15,000. So it wasn't, you know, a huge number, right? And there's no duties on exports, but, but anyway, it does seem suspicious, correct? Um, yeah. And and I think for for me, it was really, you know, it was very sad to me that 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 this young man, um, you know, killed himself over something that really would not have amounted to the end of the world, you know? So that's my scariest story. All right, let's look at some application out of this. First off, obviously, you don't want to, you know, falsify the value on those kinds of things. The other question is, chances are, if he falsified the, the value, I would be, I, I would not be surprised if he also didn't uh, describe the, the, the commodity correctly. Um but regardless, that said, is that somebody, especially from a business perspective, but, you know, you can apply it to your personal life as well. But, it, it, you know, the, the Sarbanes and Oxley legislation, that's one of the things that I think went through that was actually it's good if you apply it. What, is, what's, what do I mean by that? Sarbanes and Oxley just means that you've got to make sure – any part of any transaction you're part of, that the information is accurate, and um, that you know that you're you're giving forth the uh, the correct information that uh, that you know of at the time. If if the a mistake is made, it's like usually somebody didn't know something correctly. Right. But if you follow that principle, right, accurate values, ac- accurate descriptions. And make sure you know who you're dealing with, because that's the other thing is like, yeah, he's shipping it to his mother thinking that that would absolve that probably. But it's all along he's doing some kind of business deal with somebody else. So you pull in your your family into that. It just makes it that much more difficult. I wouldn't do it. It's just. Yeah, it was a very strange. It was a very strange uh, anonymous case in my I mean, I would, I don't normally deal with those, but what I do deal with a lot are mergers and acquisitions, right? Um, oh, as, that's another one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's another one. And I also deal with a lot of anti-dumping countervailing duties. One of the cases that I had that was very interesting, I think this happens a lot with, you know, smaller companies that really don't take the time to do their due diligence which is really critical anytime you're 
you're involving yourself and importing. I, I'm still surprised to this day how many companies don't really understand what they're doing and what legal requirements there are in the importing arena. Um, hey, and, Adrian, yeah. hang on just a second. Yeah. Let me let me interrupt you just for a second. Sure. Absolutely. We we've had a couple of uh, podcast shows on the anti-dumping countervailing duty. What's great about that was it was talking about, you know, how serious it was from a, you know, the laws and the regulations and all that. And then we um, um, had, uh, it was Bonnie we had on there, didn't we, yeah. uh, Lalo? Yes. Yeah, yep. Bonnie's, uh, yeah, Bonnie's so great, you know. Right. But she was actually giving, you know, practical um if you will, steps on what you should be doing from a compliance standpoint. That all said, what this is going to be great is hearing what happens when you don't do the things that we've already covered in some of that. Right. So I want to hear, this is, ought to be good. Like your point is, um, companies that don't vet their product properly or, or the people they're dealing with or the, you know, the, the parties to the transaction as it goes through and they're undervaluing or whatever they're doing, um, this ought to be good. So yeah. go ahead. Well, I hope we'll so. This. Well, so this was a company. <laughs> this was a company that was importing furniture, right? So they were importing furniture, and they discovered that, oh my God, wooden bedroom furniture from China is subject to anti-dumping and countervailing duty. We had no idea. And I'm like, well, have you been importing for some time, or are you a newbie? Oh, we've been importing for some time. I'm like, ah, okay. So this company said, you know what, Adrian, we'd really like you to lay out in a memo pros and cons of different options, including doing a prior disclosure. And if you could figure out for us what our liability would be, if you could quantify what you think high level we might owe, can you put that in the memo and then send it our way? Sure. Um, I can. So they, <laughs> which, which, which puts more liability on them because now exactly. it's in black and white. Exactly. Thank you. That's exactly <laughs> the point. Um, I can, but, um, a lot of times, you know, senior management wants to see the justification and the options and also the bottom line, right? They want to see that. Right. So this company decided they were, they, the amount I think was in excess of half a million. And so they were very concerned about, could they even pay it, right? So because there's no legal um, obligation to file a prior disclosure and because it would have essentially bankrupted, bankrupt the company, they decided not to, not to do anything, but just not to, to bring in goods anymore that were wooden bedroom furniture from China. So, they decided to do nothing. So I go on my merry way. Half about six months later, I get a call from the U.S. Attorney's Office. Miss Brownmiller, we know that you previously represented ABC Company, and I'm like, okay. And they said, <laughs> yes, we know that you represented them and that you wrote a memo on the pros and cons of doing a prior disclosure. Oh. I said, okay. I you said, know, right off the bat, red flags are going up. And I said, I said, do you have a copy of my memo? Because you know that's attorney-client privilege. Oh, no, ma'am. We don't have a copy. We just know of it. And I, okay, so 
I'm thinking to myself, self, this is really horrific. So I think, you know, I think it's fine when you are doing an analysis for a client about prior disclosure or any other option. You just have to be very careful that they know that if, it, if it's put in writing that whoever it's released to, it needs to be a very tightly, tightly controlled group of people. And even then, you don't know because what happened in this case is somebody that they shared it with went to a false claims attorney and was the relator in a false claims act case. Okay, so that whistleblower stands st stood to gain up to thirty percent of any penalties mm -hmm. that were collected by the government. Um, in another similar case that was also uh, wooden bedroom furniture from China, um, that one was basically through data mining. So, you know, there's a company out there by the name of False Claims Act LLC. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that company. No, I'm not. What they do that. is they data mine the manifest data for companies that import furniture from China. And if they see certain things like a filing cabinet, which this happened a lot, misdescription in the, uh, of the cargo, filing cabinets are actually bedroom end tables or nightstands, right? Nightstands. So there was, you know, so they'll look for certain trends because that's what, you know, that they could find. Um, and they, they essentially went after my client um, and the government went after the president and the sourcing manager personally. So there was a lot of like cooperation, but, but I think really the key here is like, do your due diligence, you know, it's fine to understand how to classify something, but are there any other special duties that apply to this product? Right. Mm -hmm. It's not just go to going to the harmonized tariff and saying here's the, here's the applicable tariff code what what else what other duties could apply to this product there was the example that one of our guests used that it's a cabinet made out of wood and they happen to want to put a nice pretty slat on the top that was a stone slat had really that was just decorative but the whole product the tariff was a cabinet you know and so obviously nothing came up you know but Turns out that that stone was, you know, yeah, it, they it had was, a uh, slight stone top to it and made it uh, anti-dumping. Anti-dumping, yeah. yeah, but it didn't so. obviously show up. It didn't show up in the in the tariff because I mean you're classifying for cabinet, not for that. You know that that stone. Right. So. And I know there was like a false claims act uh, um, against uh, Z Gallery some years ago, and I'm not sure of the facts of in that one, but I do know. Um, I believe it was a $15 million penalty, which doesn't sound very much, uh, com you know, in comparison to other penalty cases, but I mean, that could hurt. That could certainly hurt. Well, I don't care what size company you are. $15 million is a yeah. chunk of change. Now, now yeah. but here's what I was going to ask. Sounds to me like, all right, the company you were talking about, the false claims LLC, mm -hmm. that 
they must be doing that so that if they find something and they turn them in, they potentially have that. That's it. Can claim that 30% right. of the deal, right? So mm -hmm. that's how they're getting paid, if you will. Mm -hmm. So I would give that a similar analogy here. And you know me, I'm dumb as a box of rocks, so I have to keep it simple. Mm -hmm. But for <laughs> folks out there in the audience here is that if you're going to do the importing and you're, you're really not – You've not done your due diligence, as you mentioned that, uh, in vetting your product and, and all the things that are going on. That would be similar to, with, uh, like, let me go uh, swimming in the, uh, you know, Florida bayous or something like that. And, you, you know, what do you got out there? You got snakes out there. You got alligators, going, uh, crocodiles, whatever, out there. And, you're going to get bit potentially. Now, you could swim and then not have a problem. But then every now and then you're going to get in and you're going to get bit. Here's the point. You got people like that uh, false claims company that's, you know, lurking out there. You don't know anything about it. It's just like, but it's a danger. You got other folks that are looking for things. And if you've not done your job right, you can, it'll, it'll get you. So, again, coming back. Is crossing the T's and dotting the I's. And if you're an executive of a company, as you just mentioned, some of that comes into play there is that you personally can be held liable um, and potentially even criminal if you've neglected certain things to, you know, not take the appropriate action. So Right. Yeah, and the, and the, the president of this company had to cough up $250,000 of his own money, mm -hmm. you know. And the sourcing guy, I think it was like 50K. And that, you know, I think most of us would say if we had to pay that penalty, it would hurt. <laughs> it would hurt. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, it would yeah. be really. It would now, really Lalo's hurt. sitting yeah. on Easy Street. Yeah, right. You know, I'm looking forward to Lalo and I are going to be at the ICPA conference and, and uh, as we were just talking about that, but uh, I'm hoping to rub elbows with him enough that that kind of yeah. fortune rubs right. off on me. There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. well, well, oh my I, goodness. Uh, yeah. I was go just going to say, I was just going to say, yeah. Um, the other area that could be kind of scary that I mentioned earlier is mergers and acquisitions. And that's one thing that I, I think a lot of um, companies, when they are purchasing other companies, um, fail often to really do any due diligence on, on the customs and trade side. And I never understand why that is, right? Um, because it can be a huge uh, impact to actually the value of, of the deal. You may end up paying way more money than um, it's really worth because of the liabilities. So I know in one case, uh, a company, it was a, a large uh, company, consumer products company acquired another company. Um, and it basically involved watches. And watches have four different duty rates, right? Yeah, well, four different classifications. Four in there classifications, for the, uh... four different duty rates three of which are ad valorem and one which is a specific or flat rate, right? So this this happened some years ago, but it kind of trickled into an industry-wide investigation of all watch companies. Um, and so essentially 
what happened was I think 50, 50 million was paid for the, the target company that was acquired. Um, but as they were digging into this valuation problem, you know, allocating too much of the value of the four components to the, the, the flat rate provision, they ended up figuring out that there was about $5 million in duties that were owed U.S. Customs, right? And that was 10% of the purchase price. Mm -hmm. And there was no escrow that was part oh, of the really? deal. Right. So I think really, you know, if you're, if you're a M&A attorney and you don't have a trade lawyer on your team or someone that's in trade compliance, it could be with the company that's uh, the acquirer, you know, you're going to end up not knowing what you bought, right? There's a huge risk here. Hey, Andy, so um, those are a few scary stories there. I guess uh, what's even scarier is that we um, ran out of time and we need to split this up into two episodes. We do, and I can tell you for our listening audience um, – one of the things we've been doing several shows uh, up to this point, and I hope you're looking at them. You can go back if this is your first one, take a look at Simply Trade and all the different shows that we've got because there's some good topics in there. But here's what I want you to do take a look at the Global Training Center. You need to get yourself and or your staff up to speed. And one of the things I'd like to, to promote here is uh, on behalf of Lau and his company, I'm, pers I'm not with the, the Global Training Center. So I want to tell you that this I'm putting in a pitch for him. It's a great company. It's a cost-effective way for you to get some uh, good uh, knowledge and skills in uh, the different courses they offer. So take a look at the website, Global Training Center, and take a look at it. Try just one course so you can see what's in there and you can see if this is uh, the avenue for you. So hope you'll do that. All right, Lalo, let's uh, end this one for today, and uh, we're going to continue talking with Adrian and, uh, and for the next show. Thank you very much for joining us. Simply Trade is brought to you by the generous contributions of Global Training Center. You can follow the show and GTC on LinkedIn or Twitter and other social networks. Make sure you check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. Also, make sure that you share this with a friend and subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. We really like hearing from you. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest in the show or would like to sponsor Simply Trade or suggest any topic you would like for us to discuss, please contact us via email at simplytrade at globaltrainingcenter.com or you can DM us on Twitter at simplytradepod. Thank you again for the privilege of your time. Happy trading. Simply Trade is not a law firm or an advisor. The topics and discussions conducted by Simply Trade hosts and guests should not be considered and is not intended to substitute legal advice. You should seek appropriate counsel for your own situation. These conversations and information are directed towards listeners in the United States for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be substituted for legal advice. 
No listener or viewer of this podcast should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information on this podcast without first seeking legal advice from counsel. Information on this podcast may not be up to date depending on the time of publishing and the time of viewership. The content of this posting is provided as is. No representations are made that the content is error-free. The views expressed in or through this podcast are those of the individual speakers, not those of their respective employers or Global Training Center as a whole. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast are hereby expressly disclaimed.